Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here with you. If you're a guest with us, especially welcome. We're glad you're here. And if you're watching online uh, this morning or later this week, we're really glad that you're joining us as well. All month long, in fact, this is our last week of this series, we've been talking about identity. We've been talking about identity. And what we've said, we've kind of defined identity the best that we can, okay? This is the definition that we've given to identity. It is knowing who you are, knowing that you have value, and knowing what you're here to do. Knowing who you are, knowing that you have value, knowing what you're here to do. And that is identity. And we realized before we put together this series that there's so much to say on the topic of identity that we wanted to make sure that we pointed you to some resources, okay? So we created a resource page. And if you go on to thewocc.com, Go to the message, the message place where you see Me, Myself, and I series. And if you click on that series, it'll should lead you to a resource page. Play the books, some, some podcasts, things that might help you in this conversation. Um, help you or a conversation with someone you love. Just kind of wrap your mind and your heart around what God says about who you are. So make sure you ch check that out. We'll leave it up for quite a while so it won't be shut down today. I think that the biggest issue in our culture today is misplaced identity. It's identity confusion. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. Now, we can attempt to create our own identity, and what and happens is when you don't know who you are, you will create your own. You'll, you'll go to try to find out your own. But the truth is, you can't m make up value for yourself. You cannot make up value. No one can place value on you. You can't ask someone else to do it. If you took a $1 bill, all right, a $1 bill, it, ha it has value only because the, the, those who made it and those who backed it have said it, says it has value. They've backed it. They've created it. They say it has value, all right? You can't get to decide. You and I don't get to decide the value of a $1 bill. Are you tracking with me? We don't get to decide that. I can't go to a cashier after church today, go to lunch, and I can't hand her a dollar bill, and then she decides that it's actually worth 50 cents, okay? She can't decide that it's worth $2. Why? Because she didn't create it, she didn't back it, she didn't set it up. It's not her decision, all right? Value must be placed on something, okay? Pay attention. Value must be placed on something, by the person who has guaranteed that thing. They're the ones who get the right to place value in it. Now, in the same way that you and I don't get to make up value for ourselves, we don't get to create our own identity. It, one of the things is we don't know who we are. We also don't know what we're here to do. We have confused identity because we don't really know why we've been placed on this earth and what we're here to do. So we dig inwardly, don't we? That's what we'll do. We'll, we'll go inward and we'll say, well, I have to discover who I am. I have to figure out who Nathan is. I've got to dig deep. But you don't get to decide what your purpose is. All right, if the Ninja Company were to give you a blender, anybody got a Ninja at home? They're fantastic. They're life-changing, actually. They really are. If, but if they were to, if the Ninja Company were to give you a blender, guess, you don't get to decide that it's a football, all right? If you used a blender as a football, there'd be some pain involved, 
right? And you can take that blender and you can throw it down the field and, and you can run into the end zone with that blender and you can do that all day long. But guess what? It's not a football. You don't get to determine that. It's a blender. The creator of the thing, or as we're going to dig into here, the creator of the person is the one who gets to decide the purpose of the created. Do you understand that? They're the one that gets to decide. The col- our culture says this. Our culture says that I am my own priority and purpose. I get to determine who I am. I get to decide. I get to form it. And then I'll be living my best life out of who I really am. And that's what our culture says. You are your own priority. You create your purpose. But here's what we're going to lean into today, because this is the truth from God, is that God purposes you for people. God purposes you for people. What we've been saying all this month, and I will say it until Jesus comes home, that your heavenly father is the only one who gets to tell you who you are. He's the only one who gives you value. And he's the only one who tells you what you're here to do. He gets to say it. God purposes you for people. Now, let me unpack that a little bit. Like, that's a little bit odd. God purposed me for people. Okay, let me unpack this a little bit for you. Turn with me to Mark chapter 3, okay? Mark chapter 3, it's the shortest gospel, all right? So Mark's very brief, all right, when he's sharing the story of Jesus' life, all right? Mark chapter 3, if you don't have Bibles, we have them out at the hub. They're free. We just go ahead and grab one on your way out. But turn to Mark 3. We're going to kind of just camp out there for the remainder of the time, okay? It's verse 9. Because of the crowd... He told his disciples, Jesus, all right, to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. So Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom they gave the name, and I've tried to pronounce that B word, like, for a week, and I'm not even going to try, because it doesn't sound right, and it's streaming, and it will be recorded forever, and so I'm going to skip it, okay? But the name means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. So people are, Jesus is becoming very famous. And and what you see is that they've heard who he is, they've seen his miracles. And so a crowd is pressing around him. Everywhere he goes, he's drawing a crowd. So much of people, so many people who have needs, they're pressing around him. So Jesus escapes to the mountainside and he calls 12 men to follow him. All right? And he calls these guys to his purpose by giving many of them a new name. He gives them a new name, he renames them. So my name, Nathan, um, in Hebrew means gift of God, all right? So I know that probably doesn't surprise very many of you, that, all right? It's fine. I, no, it's what it means. I don't know. It's just what it means. Uh, I, you can look it up. It's what it means, all right? And, and, and it's like my parents knew something that they could not have known 43 years ago, 
You know, it's like looking into the future, and, and they did a good job. I feel like I've lived up to my name. Nathan means gift of God. Okay, look it up. It's a true story. You can ask them. They'll be here at, 10, at the 1030 service. All right, my parents will be. All right, do you ever notice how odd it is that sometimes you just know people that just seem like something about the way they look or something about the personality just matches their name? Do you ever, do you ever notice that? It's the weirdest thing because it like, seems impossible. Like, I graduated from high school with a girl named Sunshine. That's her first name. And, and she smiled all the time. I mean, she was just happy and just bright. I kid you not, it was the weirdest thing. Um, I knew a guy in college whose last name was Fightmaster. If I could have a different last name, it would be Fightmaster. Because that's like the coolest name ever. And he was a big guy. I mean, because you couldn't, you couldn't look like me and be called Fightmaster. It just wouldn't work. But if you were like 6'3 and 300 pounds, you could be called Fightmaster. All right? I, I, anybody in here, let's just let's look at the series for a second. Anybody in here named Karen? I tell you, Karen, my heart goes out to you, all right? Because Karen, the name Karen has gotten a really bad rap in our culture recently, and I just want to tell you, I've known a few Karens that fit that, all right? But for the most part, I know a lot of sweet Karens, okay? I love you. I love you. All right? So you just rock that name, okay? So Jesus calls these guys together. And he appoints them. So the, so the NIV version of the Bible and it, so it uses the word appointed. He appointed them, which is a little, it, that, that sounds cool. But the, what he actually is saying is that Jesus creates them. He makes them. He names them apostles. So he gives them their, who they are. He gives them an identity in that moment. He says the apostle, which means the sent ones. So in renaming, Jesus says, I am now recreating. I am making you new. You are now the sent ones. So he renames Peter, Simon. He renames Simon, Peter, which means rock. Also a cool name. All right. He renames James and John, thunder. We have, you can read the Gospels, and you'll never really know why Jesus gives them the name Thunder, but it's really cool. There's some, some cool names in the Bible. Now, and apparently in Aramaic, that B word, that doesn't sound so cool, but the word Thunder does. Sons of Thunder, that's what he called these two brothers. Coolest name maybe ever, all right? Naming in ancient times, in, in, in the in first century, naming in ancient times always had deep meaning to it. It wasn't a frivolous thing. Names mattered. The name you received, the name you gave something mattered. In fact, names still mean something in our culture today. Like companies pay lots of money, don't they, for, for consultants to come in to help them create an image and a name for their company. Maybe you've been a part of that in the company you work for. All right? Names matter. They matter. It, the, there's a reason why in the last 20-some years, and I don't know if we've got teachers in the room, but you've probably, if you've been teaching for a long time, you've seen a shift in your class list, the names of kids, all right? Now, I mean no offense, but there's some really weird names you people are naming your kids nowadays. We don't, we don't, see, we don't see Jason and Jennifer anymore, okay? We just, I'm not even going to give you examples of the ones we see now because you probably have kids over there that are named that, all right? And it's okay, <laughs> It's okay, it's fine, all right? You don't see a lot of Nathans either. There's just not a lot of people that have that name, all right? But, but my point is, names still mean something, and so, so you want it to be creative. You want it to be different. You want it to, to stand out, be unique. You want it to mean something, all right? And that's fine. 
That's a good thing because names have always mattered. In the ancient world up till now, what you call something means something. Names have power. Right? Names have power behind them. To, to name something or to give something a name, you're shaping a power. That's a power. You almost trying to shape a, a purpose. But you and I have naming power, but it's limited. It's limited. So the question is that I want to really tackle today is how do we discover the shaping and the purpose that our Heavenly Father has given us? How do you discover that? And the first one is this. The first way you, 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 you receive this is that you let Jesus rename you. You let Jesus rename you. So Jesus gives these guys new names, all right? Rock, thunder. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter one, if you're here last week, Chris actually dove into Genesis chapter one talking about our identity. Genesis chapter one, God, did you ever notice as you read that? And if you've never read it, just go back and read it, all right? God names things into existence. He names, God just speaks a name. He says, let there be light and light was. Where there was nothing, God just gave a name to something, and it became reality. See, God's naming power creates reality, okay? It doesn't, God just doesn't name things that he sees or create something and says, I think we'll just call this light. When he names it, it becomes actual. It becomes real. God assigns value and purpose when he assigns a name. God's naming has this creative, authoritative power behind it. You see that? Go back and look at Genesis chapter 1. Our problem is, you and I, is we've let other things have naming power in our lives. We've let, let other people have naming power in our lives. So, we let our wealth or our retirement or our income have naming power over us because that's where we draw our identity from. Sexuality, like we talked about last week. You can go back on our website and listen. We allow sexuality to have naming power in our lives because in that we find our identity. We get our identity from relationships. I'm in the right friend crowd I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a husband, I'm a wife. I have a boyfriend, or I, or, or, or I don't have a, a boyfriend, or I'm married, or I'm not married, and we allow those relationships to shape and identify who we are. We get our identity from our jobs, from athletics. Like what I'm good at, so then we invite what we're good at to name us. What am I good at? Or, or, or what do people perceive that I'm good at, all right? We allow that to name us. We've given naming rights to a lot of other things. Think about it. Whatever names you, owns you. Whatever you allow to name you, that owns you. Because that's where you draw value and purpose and identity from. And the issue is, those things that I just mentioned, all of them, you can lose them. You can lose them. They can go away your relationships, your job, and if you lose those and they've named you, you, you and I have given naming power over those things, then you've lost yourself. That's not the case in Jesus. 
Identity from Jesus can stand up under anything. So if I lose a job, Jesus still holds me up. If, I can, if I'm confused about my sexual identity, I can look to Jesus's grace and his truth and his word, and I can find peace in what he says is best and true. If I lose a relationship, my security still is in who Jesus says that I am. Do you see that? When Paul is writing to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, look what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 to them. He says, For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's handiwork. The, the Greek word there is poema, which is a work of art. A work of art. You are a work of art. You are your heavenly father's art piece. And he loves you. And he created you with a uniqueness. You are, you are as you are right now, an inner expression of the creator's glory and love and qualities and characteristics. That's how he made you. You are made with unique purpose, and you are equipped by your heavenly Father to do things that only you can do. So knowing that, to whom or to what have you given naming rights to your life? Something. And I think it needs a change. Remember, God purposes you for people. And we're getting to that here in just a second. But first, we have to, you have to know who you are and what your name is. Here's the second thing you need to know about that purpose that God gives you, is that you, in order to receive it, you must lose yourself to find yourself. You have to lose yourself to find yourself. Now, notice what Jesus does here. So he, he, he grabs these men, and he brings them up to the mountainside, and he begins to assign, he says, I'm going to send you out, right? And he begins to give them new, he gives them new names, he, he gives them, he remakes them. Don't miss that from Genesis chapter one. When God names something, he assigns value and, and reality to it. So he gives these guys new names, immediately assigning identity and value and purpose into their life through his authoritative power. And then he tells them this, he says, now I want you to go preach. Now he says, I want you to preach and I want you to go and you'll have the power to cast out demons. Essentially what Jesus is saying is, I want you to go serve people through word and through deed. Set them free from the things that bind them. Go. I'm sending you out as the sent ones. I'm renaming you as sent ones to go and to serve people by word and deed and to set them free from the things that bind them. Now, our culture says something, that we have to go out into the wide, wide world, and we have to find ourselves. You have to go find yourself. You ever heard that? You have to go find yourself. Right, we gotta, and we got to let others do the same. You got to let other people go find themselves. Here's the, here's the ideology, and please hear me because I say this with, with love. Here's the ideology. If you really want to love someone, if you really want to show somebody that you love them, you will approve 
and affirm of the identity that they have assigned to themselves, right? Probably the number one struggle of Christians today. Because our culture's ideology says that if you really love someone, you will affirm and approve of the identity that they have signed to themselves. And don't you see that that is the most unloving thing that you could ever do? That is the most unloving thing you could ever do. We don't let people jump out of a plane without a parachute. We don't let people drive their cars off of cliffs because the relationships are a mess. Why? Well, the answer is obvious, and anybody would say, anybody that, that's not a believer or, or somebody who's irreligious, it doesn't matter, anybody would say, well, well, we wouldn't do that because you don't want people to hurt themselves. Those things would probably end badly. You don't want people to hurt themselves. And my, my response to that is, why not? Why not? They've decided that that's who they are. They've decided that that's their value or lack of value. They've decided that that's their purpose. Who am I? But we're not equipped to make that call, are we? Any more than you're equipped to call a blender a football. Listen, serving others the way that Jesus sends us to serve them is a messy business. And you probably already know that, don't you? It's messy. But we can pursue people in the name of Jesus anyway. You don't get rid of the mess. You just love people in the mess. You just love people in that messiness, in that brokenness, so we can be accepting without approving. And we can be a loving without, without applauding. And we can be compassionate without commending. It's in that messiness and in that pain and that brokenness. And the truth is, all of us are broken. The question just really is, is what kind of broken are you? It's messy business loving each other. And Jesus says, I've got an idea. I've got an idea for you. Why don't you lift your eyes off of yourself and lift them up to others? When we can come to one of the church, listen to me, listen to me. When we can come to understand that our greater purpose in this life is to show others that they too are sons and daughters of a really good dad in heaven. When you and I can understand that our purpose in life is to show other people that they too are sons and daughters of a really good father, then we can love and accept others in the tension that is built between grace and truth. You've been purposed, and so have I, to point people to Jesus. Helping them to see that they have a Father in heaven who has a new name for them. Are you living in that purpose? Many of us say, honestly, I'm just too busy to serve. I'm too busy. I've got so many things going on. I'm too busy to give. I'm too busy to help people. And the truth is, let me tell you this straight from Jesus' mouth, you will never find yourself. You never will. 
And many of us are so bogged down in, 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 in comparing ourselves and judging other people. There's this, there's this place in Luke chapter 9 where the sons of thunder, I just, we'll just call them like that, sons of thunder, um, there's this town that Jesus is going to go to and, and speak and, and, and preach the word, and the people reject him. They don't want him. So James and John are like, well, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire and destroy the whole town? You know, and they're thinking, yeah, let's do that. Let's just call down fire from heaven. We'll just burn them all up, you know. And Jesus is like, no, you idiots. <laughs> no, no. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, he's kinder. Well, maybe he's probably not. But he rebukes them. No, you will never live out of your sentness. Listen, you will never live out of your sentness if you can't see and love other people like Jesus does. Don't you, I want you to see what Jesus is doing here in this renaming and sending of these guys. He says, out of being sent, you will discover that name I've given you. Don't miss that. When you live out your purpose, you will discover that new name that Jesus has given you. You've been given a new name. And Jesus wants you to discover it. So he names Simon Peter, the rock. The most ironic name probably ever in history. Peter lets Jesus down several times, even, even saying that he doesn't even know who Jesus is at one point. And then Peter runs and hides after Jesus' execution. He's a wuss, all right? He's not a rock, all right? Peter kind of, if you know the story of Peter, and you can read through the Gospels, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and they'll tell you what, 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 what Jesus did with Peter's life. It's a journey, right? Peter grew into that name, didn't he? He grew into that name. It's like Jesus knew something. And it's a journey for you, too. But if you try to find yourself directly, if you just kind of go out and discover who you are and go find yourself and, and, and give into those feelings and determine who you are, you will never find yourself if you go out to try to find yourself. You'll never do it. You can spend a lifetime searching for who you are. And I'm telling you right now, and this is no secret, that's why our children and our teenagers and all of us adults, that's why there's so much brokenness and so much broken in different ways because we've been lied to. Our culture has sold us on an ideology that says that we have to go, we have to go create, we have to explore our feelings, and we have to find ourselves. And then we have our Lord, Jesus, standing on a mountainside. Look in the eyes of 12 men who are so ill-equipped for what he's about to send them to go and do. And he says, instead of trying to find yourself, gentlemen, ladies, help others find who they are. And then you'll find yourself. Serve others. Pour your life out for others. And you'll discover who you really are. Here's the third thing, and then we'll close. You have to give up your performance. You have to let Jesus rename you. You have to lose yourself to find yourself, and you have to give up your performance. There's this parallel passage in Luke chapter 10. 
parallel to Mark's, Mark's um, retelling of Jesus on the mountainside. In Luke chapter 10, in Luke's version of Jesus' life, Jesus gathers his disciples together and, and he sends them out in pairs, two by two. He says, go out into the villages and into the towns and I want you to preach that the kingdom of God has come to earth. I want you to heal and cast out demons, right? Go serve others in word and deed and, and free people from the things that bind up their lives. So in Luke, Jesus sends them out. So they come back a few days later, and they're so super excited. They're like, Jesus, they come to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, you wouldn't believe what just happened. You should have seen the things we did. I mean, we cast out demons, and they went fleeing. We were performing miracles in your name. You wouldn't believe what we just did. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he rebukes them for finding their identity and their accomplishments. Because the truth is, sometimes you'll rebuke a demon and it won't come out. Sometimes the truth you share lovingly with another person, they won't accept it. Sometimes you'll screw it up. Sometimes you'll feel like giving up. And then you'll go back into the, to the old identity that he says, well, maybe I just need to go search and find who I am on my own. And sometimes that'll happen. And Jesus says, you can't base your identity on your accomplishments, on, on wealth or, or sexuality or relationships or success. And then Luke chapter 10, Jesus says the most beautiful thing. He says, guys, don't ever base your identity on anything else because your names have already been written in the book of life. They've already been written in heaven. He says, guys, listen. And I think that's what he's speaking to your heart and to mine right now. I've already given you a new name. Like, your name's in it. You're already in. If you were a believer in Jesus, you put your faith in him, you are already in. You've already been renamed. Jesus went to the cross, and he walked out of the grave alive to give us a rebirth and to give us a new name. And if you have never received what he calls you, and you've never submitted to baptism, I'll be up front here afterwards, and, and you come, come find me. Send, send one, me an email, or Chris, the campus pastor here at the Ross campus, send him an email. I would love to talk to you about receiving that new name that Jesus has given you. But let me just talk to the Christians here. Those of you who have already received your name, I, I think just as, as, we, as we sing here in just a minute, I think... Um, You've got some praying to do. I think we've got some praying to do in your seats or as you stand, some repenting to do. Because Christians, a lot of us haven't been living out of that name. You've been living out of some other name. You've let someone or something tell you who you are. You've allowed yourself to think that you can create who you are and you've been calling the blender of football and you can't do it. There's only one person who gets to tell you what you're here to do and that you have value, and that is your heavenly Father. But I think we have some repenting to do and reclaiming of that name. Christians, in this moment that we sing, I'm going to ask that that's what you and I need to be doing. And lastly, this. There's someone in your life that you may not commend the identity that they've chosen for themselves. But that same person needs compassion. 
So would you extend a word or action of love and grace towards someone? Because they need to know that they have a heavenly father who loves them and who's desperate to give them a new name. Just as he has you. God purposes you for people. Pray with me. God, um, hear our prayers as worship. Take our hearts, Father. God, I thank you for the new name. I thank you that, that you've called us son, that you call us daughter. I thank you that, that when you name us, Father, I thank you that that has creative, authoritative power to say who we are and claim our value and to set us on purpose. Nothing else does it, Father. No one else, not our culture, not anybody that we love, nothing else can tell us that but you. God, I worship you for that. May that truth just reign on us, Father. I love you, and I thank you, and I praise your name in the name of Jesus. Amen.